It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan, and this is our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, and I cover all things going on with the Browns. Of course, we had OTA practice on Wednesday, so we look back at that. We also look at Camp Baker going on in Austin. Who's there and why does it matter that the people who are there are there? We also get into the Callie Brownson situation and how we thought Kevin Stefanski handled it. Okay, look, you got to be a Football Insider subscriber. I tell you every day, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Go there to get info and get signed up so you can get that exclusive newsletter in your inbox every single day. You can get access to stories on cleveland.com slash browns and be one of our text subscribers. Check that out. And now, on to our podcast. Here we go on our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. The Browns wrapping up OTAs. We got to see practice on Wednesday. We're going to get a little bit into what we saw a little bit later. But the first thing we're going to talk about is this giant party, Browns party that has broken out in Austin, Texas with Baker Mayfield's Camp Baker. Some names coming out. It is a star-studded list, Mary Kay. That's what you called it before we hit record here. A star-studded group of players gathering in Austin. We, we kind of knew David Njoku was going to be there. Richard Higgins was going to be there. You know, Jarvis Landry is there. Really the big one to me is Odell Beckham is there and he's working out. He's, he's not just watching. He's actually running routes. He's, he's catching passes. When, when you see that list of names, Mary Kay, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I was able to get all of these names confirmed today because I've been hunting around on social media and a lot of these guys have kind of uh, made a little pact not to put too much out there. You're not seeing a ton. I mean, you're not really seeing too many videos of them working out or, or doing very much at all. It's the, the pickings are very, very slim, and that is by design. I was able, again, to find out that, that Odell is there, which was the number one thing I wanted to know. Of course, Jarvis was there. Now, those two guys were not there last year because they were both coming off of surgeries, and they were uh, still really kind of rehabbing at that point. Now, Odell, he's got to be kind of taking it easy because he's only six months out from ACL surgery. But I do think it's very significant that they are all together. They are backing J.C. Treader up with, you know, the, the NFLPA saying, you know, skip these voluntary workouts. I mean, those guys stuck together on this. So instead of being in Berea right now, where they would have, some of them would have daily testing, daily COVID testing, the threat of having to be quarantined and other protocols for the, for the guys that, that are not vaccinated, very stringent ones for the guys that are not vaccinated. 
they, they're in an open state in Texas where they're not wearing masks, they're boating. We see David Njoku doing backflips off of, off of a boat or a dock or whatever it is. So they're doing a lot of team bonding and some water activities in addition to working out. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out, like, you do bring up a good point with, I guess, the, the COVID protocols. But other than that, like, what's the difference here? I mean, it was 80 degrees here today. It's certainly, I mean, it's a little, probably a little more pleasant to practice here in Northeast Ohio than, than Austin, Texas. And I, I don't know, I, I, guess, I guess if it wasn't a situation where the Browns had said, you know, we're going to sit out OTAs kind of as a group. Maybe they would be here anyways, but at least they're getting worked in. You know, Stefanski said his, they say his jurisdiction uh, on off-season workouts ends in Berea. So he can't really, he says he hasn't really communicated with them. They're kind of on their own, but this is a group that was in this offense last season. And it's basically, as we've said before, the same group that's coming back this year. So, hey, they're working out. If you're concerned that maybe the Browns are behind, I think you could point to this and say, well, you know, they're together and they're getting stuff done. So it's OTAs and two weeks from now, we're not even going to be talking about it. I do think it's, it's good to see though, that there is, there's a pretty good group of guys that want to get together and practice with Baker in his hometown. You know, they all get on planes, go to Austin. I don't Maybe it's just being away from having coaches looking over your shoulder or something like that. I, I don't know. You know, Mary Kay mentioned the COVID, COVID protocols. I, I think that's a key difference. But, you know, I, I don't know that they're going to accomplish anything great there that we're going to look back on, you know, if this team wins the Super Bowl or something and say, well, it all started with Baker's passing camp in Austin. But I do think it's good to see it's not just guys like Najoku and Higgins and, and Peoples-Jones and Austin Hooper. And, I mean, like Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are there. And, and I think that matters. I think that shows – at least some level of this all in, right? I mean, if they were really going to be all in, maybe it would be better if everybody was in Berea right now, but at least this kind of plays into that narrative a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think they're getting in really good work and this is not the first time they've done this. They did this at House of Athlete in Florida in April. Uh, So I do think that these guys are developing some chemistry, some camaraderie and those sorts of things. But I just have to wonder, and I, they supposedly they worked all of this through. They, they talked the offensive players, the defensive players, they talked to the coaches and they kind of came up with a plan, but it just seems to me, you know, I just have to wonder on some level if there isn't just the tiniest bit of Hey, what are you guys doing in Austin when you, when you could be in, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I honestly don't know if there is any little tiny bit of feeling like that in any way, shape or form, but you would have to think that it would be in the back of someone's mind to think, well, okay, that's good. I'm glad you guys are there together working, but why couldn't you just be doing that here? I don't know. We haven't gotten a chance to ask the offensive guys that yet. Well, again, if everybody's here uh, next week for, for the mini camp. Yes. And you know, it all becomes kind of a mood thing and, they go into their break having had, you know, that time together. And it's, it's not, I think it becomes a non-issue as soon as everybody shows up next week for minicamp. I think it is interesting though, that all the guys that are there are pretty secure in their positions. I mean, there's nobody on that list of names that you're like, Oh, that guy's on the bubble. That guy might not make it. And meanwhile, a guy like Kaderil Hodge is in Berea on Wednesday at practice. 
I, I don't know. Maybe that's JC Treader's, you know, somebody making JC Treader's case for him. Like it's supposed to be voluntary. It's not supposed to play a role in who makes the team and who doesn't, but these coaches are human beings. They remember who was there and who wasn't. It's always in the back of their mind. And I do think it's a little telling that a guy like Kaderil Hodge did feel compelled for whatever reason to show up and, and at least participate. He wasn't there last week, but he was there today. And I don't know how long he's been at practices, but he was definitely there today. Online. Jojo Natson has been there yes. uh, the last couple of times. Jason, I think he was hurt again today or he was on the sideline, but yeah. yeah, those two guys are definitely targets for, will they make this roster? Because you added someone like Anthony Schwartz who kind of fits some of the role that they might be filling uh, on the wide receiver depth chart as well as special teams. So. Yeah. And now Jojo actually uh, did some things in the individual drills today. Uh, so that was a step up from what he did last week. Last week, he was um, basically idle standing there with Anthony Schwartz, who did nothing again today. But Jojo uh, just took that one step forward and got into at least the individual stuff, the position stuff with the receivers. So that was good. And Demetri Felton, he worked with the receivers again today, a significant amount. So that's in part because there aren't many receivers here right now. Uh, but one name of note was Case Keenum. Case Keenum, last year, he did go to Camp Baker for a little bit. He's from Texas. He was in Texas at the time. And he drove over to Austin. And he spent some time getting to know his new teammates, getting to know Baker a little bit. But today, we saw him out there throwing the ball at OTAs. And it was almost, in my mind, it seemed like a nice gesture on his part to come and do a favor for Kevin Stefanski and have somebody there who could throw the ball to these guys uh, because poor Kyle Lawletta cannot do it all himself, uh, the third string quarterback. Uh, so that was nice. I thought of, of Case Keenum uh, to show up and it's just, once again, it's just communication and, and guys making sure that this is working out best for everyone. Kyle had to love that last last week. You know, you're the only quarterback there. You're you're a guy who's trying to catch on somewhere, and you get to do every individual drill, every team drill. You're the guy. He seemed like he was maybe taking a little more, uh, some more breaks uh, during individual drills, and than he normally would have because you don't want to tire that guy out. But it had to be nice for him to get individual coaching. Mm-hmm. Got to save that arm if you're Kyle Laletta, though. You know, you don't want to you don't want to ruin it all here in, in the spring. Okay. Another story that we have to talk about is what happened with Callie Brownson. Uh, Of course, everyone sort of knows by now, but just to get everyone caught up, she pleaded no contest on Wednesday to charges, to OVI charges pulled over on May 27, 1257 in the morning. Her blood alcohol content was 0.215, which is more than twice the legal limit. Kevin Stefanski told us on Wednesday that she has been suspended by the team. That's why she wasn't out there on Wednesday. So, I guess what I was wondering is how do we feel like Kevin has sort of handled this? Because we haven't seen anything like this happen on his staff with any of his players. He hasn't really had to deal with a situation like this. Now it's sort of fresh in all of our minds because the story just came out on Tuesday night, but he's known about it, obviously going back to when it happened. I guess, how do we sort of assess how he's handled this situation? And of course, the way he kind of set the tone today when he spoke to us about it. Well, first of all, you have to know he is just absolutely crushed by this because he hired her, brought her on staff to be 
uh, his right-hand person. And they just work in lockstep every single day on everything together. And she has just been tremendous in helping navigate this football team through COVID-19 and getting them from having to put every single thing online and getting all the way through the AFC divisional round with coaches going in and out of the lineup and players going in and out of the lineup and testing and all the craziness that happened and setting up virtual this and virtual that. And she was very instrumental in all of that. Uh, he's already stated that he wants to groom her to become a head coach someday. He believes she's a rising star in this business. He sees something very special in her. The other thing about Callie Brownson is she's one of a handful of female coaches in the NFL. She knows she's blazing a trail. She knows that her every move is being watched and she knows that she has she will be held to a higher standard i mean that's just the way that it is when you are blazing a trail uh in in a man's world so you know so she knows all of those things and i'm sure she is devastated that this happened i think kevin's handling it really well i mean they're 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 being stern about it their statement that they put out yesterday attributed to a brown spokesman talked about, I thought it was kind of a harsh rebuke. Uh, and they said that they will take appropriate disciplinary, uh, disciplinary action, which they have done. Uh, again, they have suspended her. The league, I talked to the league, they said they will not be handing down any further sanctions beyond what the Browns decide to do. And we don't know what else they're gonna do. She might be being fined. She, we don't know exactly what else is going to happen or how long she will be out. She's lost her license for a year. She will have limited driving privileges. And it's just, it's a tough situation. The Browns just hired a bunch of other really good qualified females last week. They're trying to carry that banner for diversity and inclusion. And this is just an unfortunate situation because she's so well loved in the organization. Nobody wanted to see this happen to anybody. And, and of course, nobody wants anyone to put themselves or anybody else at risk by driving impaired. So it's just, there's just a lot here. It's just an unfortunate situation. The best part about it is that no one got hurt. Okay. That's first and foremost. Thank goodness that no one got hurt in any of this. She came out of it healthy and so did everybody else. Hopefully it's a learning experience for her. Like Kevin Stefanski said today that he thinks it will be, and we'll see where this goes from here. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have much to add to that. I think you said all the, the right things there. I think it, it occurred to me, like, the, the date that this originally happened, and then I think we had texted earlier today about, you know, did you remember seeing her there last week? Because I wasn't out there necessarily looking for her, but I don't remember seeing her last week. And then, like, the Browns and NFL teams in general, sports teams in general, are often in a situation where they know, like you said, Dan, they know about these things before we find them out because we're not necessarily scouring police reports for, for Brown's, you know, Brown's names or just athletes in general, these things come up when a lot of times when they, uh, when they get to the court level. And so they had time to figure this out. And just like everything else with this organization, it's clear that they, they, they were prepared, you know, with the statement and they knew what they wanted to say. And I mean, they've, they've said all the right things. And I think Kevin Stefanski said all the right things today. Uh, he said that this won't cost her her job it did not happen to a high profile player. And I think that's, that's something that if anything ever happens with a high profile player with Kevin Zafanski, then you're really going to find out how they deal with something. But at this point, you're talking about one of your assistant coaches, not even a coordinator, but an assistant coach, a chief of staff. This is kind of, I guess, a way to, 
ease into a situation where you have to deal with quote unquote controversy. People aren't going to be talking about this on ESPN all day, every day. They're not going to be talking about it on the radio all day, every day, like they would a player. They've done everything right so far. Yeah. I, th- I thought he set the right tone. He, he explained everything. He didn't, you know, dodge any questions or anything like that. He, he laid out everything that he wanted to lay out. You know, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if he would just say, well, we're handling it internally, kind of just repeat that mantra over and over again. But clearly they decided that they wanted to be uh, out front with this, knowing that they'd get asked about it. And, you know, he answered every question. I think he set the right tone. I think he's, you know, I, I wish we were privy, I guess, to some of the behind the scenes conversations, you know, in a situation just to sort of see, you know, what he's saying as far as, you know, the expectation moving forward now. Yeah, I, I think he's handling this situation properly. And Scott, I, I think you're right. This is sort of a good kind of take the training wheels off moment because it's not a prominent player. It's not, it's, it's a prominent coach because of the fact that she is one of the few female coaches in football. But as far as her space in the pecking order, she's not a coordinator. She's not a position coach yet. But that is something that Kevin does seem to envision for her. The other factor in all of this is, from a humanity standpoint, you know, they need to make sure that she's okay. Because if you are, if your breathalyzer shows that you are, have a 0.215 blood alcohol content, that is more than twice the legal limit to make that kind of a decision, uh, you know, to, to drive in that condition and not only drive in that condition, but to speed in that condition, there was a set of decisions that were made that show that she was off track, at least in that, on that particular night. It doesn't mean that this is a trend or anything like that, but I do think that in the NFL over the, over the years of me covering this league and watching some incidents like this, I'm not entirely certain that the NFL has followed up enough when some of these things happen to make sure that the human being is okay. Now, the Browns seem like the kind of an organization that will just naturally do that. But I think it sends up a red flag where, in addition to the things uh, that she has to do through the court system, which will include a three-day driver intervention program, I think they need to take it a step further. And I'm sure that they will. Like I said, these are really smart guys and, and women in this organization. And I'm sure that they will do whatever they need to do to make sure that whatever events led to this incident, that there's, that there's nothing here that they need to worry about, that she needs to worry. They just need to make sure she's okay, is, is what I'm saying. So hopefully they'll do that. And as you guys mentioned, it's a test case going forward. I think it's going to send a message to other people in the organization. Like it's a teaching moment for everyone here. It's an opportunity for Kevin Stefanski to have everybody kind of look inside their own house and make sure that they have their ducks in a row, that they are okay uh, with whatever they need. And if you need help, ask for it, right? I mean, there are, there are certain people that do need help with certain things. And if you need it, get it. It's readily available. So this could be a moment for, for him to remind his coaching staff, the organization and players to raise your hand if you feel like you need any help physically, emotionally, or otherwise. I will say real quick that former Browns player William Green would, would agree with everything you just said. Talked to him a couple of years ago for a story, and 
he, he mentioned when he was uh, suspended, you know, he was kind of out on his own and just left to basically fall further and make more bad decisions. And yeah, you're absolutely correct. There needs to be that, that structure there to kind of help someone through this for sure. Yeah, it seems like the Browns are, are equipped to be sort of a, we always talk about changing the culture, right? That NFL culture sometimes can eat people up. Uh, it seems like the Browns are, are equipped to deal with that. Okay, let's talk about something lighter here. Let's talk about the defensive backfield. We kind of got to see some glimpses of it today. John Johnson was at OTAs. Grady Williams, of course, has been out there. Grant Delpit was on the field, not just watching to the side. He was on the field. Uh, how, how far away removed are we from that Achilles injury? I'm bad at math. So let's see. It's June. Sorry, about 10. Is it 10 months? Mm-hmm. Yep. It was 10 August. months removed from that Achilles yep. injury. So that's probably yep. about right that he's mm-hmm. back on the field then. So Mary Kay, to, to see that defensive backfield out there, and we, we aren't getting a chance to really get a, a great look at how Joe Woods is going to deploy these guys, but it's a good sign that we pretty much got to see the whole group, including Troy Hill. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it like it, it, the future looked very bright today when you looked at the Browns' defensive backfield. We've often wondered on this podcast, are Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit really going to be out there? Are they really going to make it back? Are they really going to be out there from the start? And it looks like they are on track to do just that. And that is remarkable. They must have come so far just in terms of surgeries, Achilles surgeries and recoveries, because that used to be you we're going to be lucky to make it back from that kind of a surgery. And I think the outcomes have gotten much better. So good for Grant that he is where he's at. He looks tremendous. He didn't do the 11 on 11s. Again, they're not in pads and they're not doing contact and things like that. But uh, he kind of took it easy when, when he got to that point. But those guys both did some, some drills today, which they weren't doing much last week when we saw them. We even saw Greedy in the first 11 on 11 in with the ones. And so... I I thought that was a really great sign. And then John Johnson and Troy Hill showed up today. These guys are coming out. They're veterans. They're coming off a number one defense. They didn't necessarily have to be here, but it's almost like they took shifts. Like Miles wasn't there this week, but John Johnson and Troy Hill came in. So I think this is another part of, hey, we'll show up, you know, this week. You guys show up next week. Let's all kind of get acclimated to each other. You know, so it it was good to see those guys out there. Ronnie Harrison was back again for the second straight week. And you could kind of see, uh, Greg Newsom, of course, uh, still out there. You could kind of see where this is headed in the defensive backfield, and the future looks bright. Yeah, in terms of Grant and Greedy being out there, you know, all season long, we've talked about the expectations for the defense and all the new players, and that's really a lot of that is based on the depth that they created, and a lot of that depth falls down to Grant Delpit and Greedy Williams being healthy and being part of you know significant parts of this defense, and yeah, seeing them take part uh, actually doing things uh, on a football field at this point in the year is, is big because whenever we talked about, you know, the potential, it was, well, this is assuming Grant Delba comes back and he is what he's supposed to be. And it's assuming, you know, Grody Williams gets back to at least even what he was and, you know, as a rookie and you're right, that is a big step. And I'm sure Joe Woods loves seeing it. And no matter who's here, just, knowing that your, your injured guys from last season are taking the right steps to get back. That just, I'm excited to see what, what this, what happens next week when they do have the mini camp and do they have the actual, the entire group out there and actually going through drills, that'll be a a big step too. So it's good that they're at this point and there's not going to be any wondering all off season going into training camp. Well, is you know, 
Greg Williams is going to be ready to go, or is Grant Temple going to be ready to go? They're they're clearly where they need to be. And, and one other guy that we should point out too is, and, and he actually made a couple of plays today from, they looked like nice plays from our vantage point, which isn't always great during team drills, but Denzel Ward was out there again. So he's been there both practices that, that we've been out there. I'm just assuming he's been there the whole time. So Denzel has shown up and he's kind of, you know, he's a quiet guy. We don't always think of him in that leadership sense, I think, but he is a prominent member of that secondary. And when he's there, I think there's probably some, some gravitas there and, you know, to see him showing up and making plays, not just kind of standing on the sideline. I think that that helps set a tone too. Yeah. I think the bar is going to be set so high, pretty much across the whole defense, the whole team actually. But I mean, the bar is going to be set very, very high uh, in that defensive backfield, just in terms of uh, the competition and pushing each other, you know, there a couple of the jobs are up for grabs. I mean, the second cornerback job between Greedy and Greg Newsom, that's still up for grabs. Just playing time in general. You know, there, there are just some really, really talented guys back there. And I think it's going to be a really interesting camp to watch these guys go up against the Jarvises and the Odells and the all these tight ends and receivers. Uh, I think it's going to be a very, very fast-paced, high-level training camp coming up there we go a quick little recap of of OTAs and everything going on around the Browns I always tell you make sure you're a football insider subscriber by going to cleveland.com slash Browns clicking the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up and of course subscribe to the orange and brown talk feed wherever you listen to your podcast for Scott and Mary Cam Dan thanks for listening everybody